endless lies, and the fear they foster. This is the Soapbox for the week of October 25th, 2020. Remember the meat shortage? What about the one that said if you take ibuprofen, you are more likely to get COVID? How about former Vice President Joe Biden saying that he would ban fracking and then saying he won't ban fracking, and then last week at the debate saying he wants to transition out of the oil industry, which means banning fracking? Or how about President Donald Trump, who for the last five years has made it clear he wants to ban and overturn Roe v. Wade, but now he refuses to acknowledge his desire for Roe v. Wade to be overturned. You're being lied to more than ever before. And you're allowing it. We're being hustled endlessly in 2020. And it's pushing us all to our breaking points, possibly culminating in the next few weeks during and as a result of an election outcome that almost literally half of the nation will neither accept nor believe. Now look, we have neither the time nor really the space to document every single lie you've been fed this year. And I do mean the word lies. It's a very politically incorrect word. I don't mean misstatements or evolutions or changes. I mean lies. Complete and total fabrications maliciously screamed at you through social media, news headlines, the government, and big business, and then repeated to you through friends, family, a complicitly ignorant media, and even that toxic next-door app. We are allowing this to occur over and over again on the daily. And what bothers some of us is that we know it, but most people refuse to acknowledge it or even question it. And it's leading to a never-ending state of fear in this nation. We are, as a whole, terrified. Not necessarily of the same thing, but seemingly, almost all of us are dreading something, if not many things, all of the time, every single day. Now, all humans process and perceive fear differently. But once each of us decides that we're afraid, there's a very specific way in which our body responds. Our body changes to prepare us to be more efficient in our perceived danger. Our brain becomes hyper alert, our pupils dilate, and our breathing accelerates. Our heart rate and blood pressure rise. Blood flow and stream of glucose to the skeletal muscles increase. Organs that aren't vital in survival, like the GI system, shut down or slow down, better said. These things happen for a reason in what are supposed to be rare and truly terrifying life events, but no longer. More and more of us are living this way perpetually, which is, of course, no way to live. And will cause us to do one of two things, flight or flee, right? You know, fight or flight. Now, those who flee will run towards alcohol or drugs or suicide. Those who choose to fight will head to the streets and do so with other Americans that they disagree with. And almost all of this is caused by lies. If elected president Joe Biden is not going to create and implement a national strategy on dealing with COVID any more than the entire nation is going to magically open up if Trump wins. Trump's president now, for God's sakes. And half the nation remains in some sort of relative lockdown, including California and Nevada. But we believe these lies that we're told. And to a certain extent, it's understandable. 
People are busy, they're too trusting, they're often overwhelmed at all of the time and energy it takes to find the actual truth just to create this very soapbox. I have spent more than four full hours solely focused on research to make sure that I get every single fact that I reference right. Which, by the way, all of this is posted at radradio.com, and I have links and footnotes on the actual written soapbox for you to reference. But who the hell has time for this? I don't even have time for this, goddammit. Last week, the New York Times did everything they could to further scare the living hell out of every parent and college student in America with an exhaustive week of stories documenting the endless surge of cases across America's campuses. The headline boldly announced that across 1,600 colleges, more than 214,000 college students have tested positive without ever mentioning that there are 20 million college students in America. That would be a 0.01% infection rate. More criminal was that you had to read to the very bottom of the story to find this little gem. There have been, remember it was 214,000 college students, 1,600 colleges. There have been 75 total deaths at colleges and universities related to COVID-19 since the pandemic began. Oh, and most of those deaths were reported in the spring and involved college employees, not students. And only two college students since July have died after getting the virus. Meanwhile, by the way, 1,500 college students die every year from binge drinking, which, while horrible, has never been discussed as a legitimate reason to shut down colleges. Are you feeling gaslit yet? What's the cost of all of this lunacy? Well, in addition to all of the obvious psychological devastation, college students are dropping out solely because they're scared of a virus that essentially won't do a damn thing to them unless they have a very serious underlying condition. And that's a form of flight. Another one is the turn towards escapes. A national survey conducted in June by the CDC found that 13% of U.S. adults surveyed said they had started or increased substance use to cope with stress or emotions related specifically to the coronavirus pandemic. Opioid deaths are skyrocketing again. Alcohol consumption is at a record high in America, and yet almost every article you read about America's alarming increase in drinking comes framed in the context that excessive alcohol use makes you more susceptible to COVID-19. We've literally made COVID the only thing that matters, the only thing that kills us, and the only thing to think about all of the time. Despite the fact that according to the CDC, 99.28% of all people under the age of 50 who get COVID will not only recover from it, but won't ever need to see the inside of a hospital. Again, the link at radradio.com on the soapbox will lead you right to that fact. Speaking of that, have you spent any time recently on the CDC website? Probably not. You're probably far too busy being told to be terrified of the rising and record-setting cases of COVID in America. Cases, as in people testing positive. Not people getting sick or hospitalized or dying, just people finding out that, yep, they have the virus. Spend some time on the CDC website for a really fun evening. 
and check out the chart that shows unequivocally the only things rising are the percentage of outpatients. Now, those would be people that saw their doctor but didn't need treatment. They might have even saw their doctor get tested. And the other thing is cases. Well, yeah, the rise in percentage of positive cases is there, but it is minimal. The hospitalization and death rate are plummeting. And rates, not totals, are what matters. Yet every single day, it's a new form of over-the-top dread forced down your throat. On Friday, the University of Washington's School of Medicine, which, by the way, has been wrong with every single projection it has made since March about the coronavirus, yet still gets attention for some reason, predicted over 511,000 total deaths in America by February 28th, so another 300,000. And then, just as a cherry on top, they said that almost 100,000 of those yet-to-happen deaths could be prevented if just 85% of us would wear masks, which is, of course, a completely made-up, computer-modeled, humanly-biased number. Although, 85% is an interesting figure since that's Italy's mask compliance rate and has been since summer. And yet they're setting daily records of cases and they actually are seeing, unlike America, rises in hospitalizations. Makes you wonder. <sighs> actually, it doesn't make enough of us wonder, which is exactly the problem. We've gone from being a nation that once prided itself on not being afraid of basically anything, to being afraid of everything. Even things that aren't real. We're no longer afraid of merely dying. We're afraid of getting sick. And we're afraid of not being able to find chuck steak at Costco in the nation that literally feeds the entire world more than anyone else. <laughs> Which brings us all the way back to the next few weeks. And what we'll do with all of our fear. A poll taken in February of this year found that 59% of Americans don't have confidence in the honesty of U.S. elections. 59% in February. Before the pandemic. Before the election. And before both presidential candidates said out loud that the only way they can lose is if the other guy steals it. They've both said it. No wonder more than half of America is stocking up on food and supplies again as they prepare not for another COVID outbreak, but whatever the hell they think this nation is going to do as a result of this election. The ironically most terrifying thing about all of this is that 70% of Americans are 100% convinced they know who will win this year's election. There's the 35% that loathe Trump and are without question certain that he will lose. Their only question is whether or not he's going to leave the White House peacefully. Then there's the 35% that view Trump as the modern-day George Washington, who know that 2016 is going to repeat itself and that he's going to win. And both sides know and have said, as have their candidates, that if their outcome doesn't come to pass, it'll be the result of blatant electoral theft. We have been perfectly and properly conditioned for this moment for decades, but never in one year 
have we experienced what we've allowed to happen in 2020. The endless hysteria and lies will come to a head this fall. It's just a question of when and how ugly it'll be.